glitch in the matrix again whenever we record on this modern technology we call skype skype it's hyped up yeah we you know it's it's it, it is what it is make fun of us again. I, I guess i brought this up last week yeah i don't yeah. know why you're hitting that obnoxious sound uh when editing there is no way to get that sound out of the editing it's fantastic That's it sounds like you're hitting like a mellophone or a xylophone or it's a light bulb. what are the metal ones called metal mellophone mellophone yeah it, it it's like those little uh the um, fisher price ones that you know ding 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 oh yeah the uh, it's the only ones you've ever seen in life. That's the problem. It's true. Well, they wouldn't let me in the band room because it's like that one time that I knocked over the tubas. Yeah. I. I well, maybe you had were having problems like Duke Duck was at the end of the last issue because I think so. There were a lot of Cogburns there. A lot. How many? I don't know. Infinite. Infinite. It was almost like the Matrix when there's so many Mister Agent Smiths. Mr. Smith? Smith. Mr. Smith? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Smith. Smith goes to Washington? Yes. Mr. Cogburn. Agent. 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 Mr. Smith. It was like a I mean, lot. They had those, those cool suits. Yeah, and glasses. Don't forget the glasses. I think the message was identical, too. Perhaps the Wachowski sisters were reading Destroyer Duck and saw the Cogburn concept, and they were like, oh, we could have a thousand corporate drones that look like IBM employees yeah. as agents in our movie. That, yeah, that makes sense. That's, I, I mean, it's, it, it, it is a thing. Well, we're here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Destroyer Duck, number four. No, three, four. Three, four, four, three, four. three, four, four. <laughs> Destroyer Duck, number four from 1983. I kept saying 1981 last week. I apologize. I don't know why my brain was stuck in 1981. 1981, the year. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. Uh, I did some more Howard the Duck reading this week. Yeah, yeah. Tell me. Not reading Howard the Duck, which would oh. be much funner. Man, you got excited for a second. I did. I was like, which one did you read? Howard the Duck. Oh man, let down. Yeah. Uh, no, I was reading about. So to make things worse, you know, Disney sued Marvel. Oh my gosh! Because of, in 1979, because of Daffy Duck. Yes. <laughs> No, Donald Duck. Donald Duck. Not Daffy just like, Duck. That, just would like, been, that would have been Warner Brothers. Just like Disney sued Oregon State? Or Disney's, UFO? I mean, let's face it. You know, UFO. Disney, Sorry, everybody. Should have got that one right. Oh, man. Messed up. Don't tell my family. Yeah. Well, I was talking over you while you were messing up the Oregon Duck thing, so I think yeah. we're okay. It is Oregon. Yeah, it is Oregon. I, Oregon. The quack it's, attack. How can they have two two schools so similarly named? With two very different mascots, ducks, beavers. I mean, I mean, huh. Carol is gonna. Carol Carlson is gonna reach out from Longview, Washington, and choke you. Choke me? Why did you mess this up? I mean, with all the well, all the duck apparel that I have, jeez. I can also safely say she would never, ever, 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 ever listen to this. Or or choke me. Well, she might do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay when i was younger yes yes of course i'm much more i, I don't know well anyway we're uh, <laughs> anyway. we'll leaving our community college days <laughs> and we will come back to this yeah I, so marvel sued and so part of that was the change and so this is something you probably know about more about than i do 
Uh, that's when his costume changed and he got the bigger bill at the top. Oh. The thicker bill and the bigger eyes. And they had to draw him in that goofy way. So, and I, did, so did you have the Howard the Duck, Howard the Mouse series from the Max comics? Uh, came out? No, I did not have those. Okay. I just had the original run. Yeah, so in the first issue to get back at them, he drew him as Howard the Mouse. But it has Howard the Duck on top. Uh-huh. Still drew the same exaggerated characteristics that they required for the duck. So I, I that was kind of funny. It was kind of an, a neat little article uh, ran across. Uh, Chris Arendt wrote the article. So I'll go ahead and give credit where cre- credit is due. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. So there was more going on that besides Gerber's rights, the character uh, more going on too with Disney getting involved just to make things worse. Yeah. And now I could understand, too, more of the God Carp stuff sort of fits here. And I, you know, at the time, I don't know that Disney would have been classified as like the God Corp, but definitely now. Now. So. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I. Uh, yeah. Now, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was watching some Loki last night. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I really like season one. I watched the first two episodes of season two. I if I could only log into my my Disney Plus account that I pay for, um, apparently I've been logged out. I don't know what's going on. Oh, I can't help you if you can't get into your own accounts. And I can't remember my password. This is why you need a Dan to manage your computers. That's why I need to write these things down or something. I'm an old man now, people. I'm an old man. Yeah. You're going to write all your passwords in a handwritten book. I am. I'm going to put them on the underside of my my table tray that I sit with when I eat my dinner in front of the TV. You are an old man. Like, I'm, no, I just hang out with my grandma a lot. How does grandma keep track of passwords? She keeps them in a handwritten notebook stuck to the bottom of her table tray. Does she really? <laughs> no, she doesn't. She, she's got a mind like a damn steel trap. She doesn't need to write down. Well, if she had the passwords I keep, she would need to write stuff. She 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 knows everything. It's crazy. Well, <laughs> well we have a, another issue of Destroyer Duck, which we haven't even started talking about. And we have got a cover here. We've been talking for like two hours, dude. We've got like, oh, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> if only the people listening to this podcast knew that we. I think people would have been incredibly this. bored by our previous You'd conversation. Be so bored. The <laughs> we were not. So that's all that matters. Yeah. So we've got Duke flying in on a looks like an Indiana Jones cover. It does look like an Indiana Jones cover for sure. Like, I mean, he's coming in on a on a I don't know, like a a rope, a rope. Yeah, <laughs> a rope, uh, a rope. He's got a gun. I mean, like it's Indiana Jones esque in the sense that he's like swinging in on on something. But yeah, it's very like uh, romancing the stone. He's he's blasting with a gun. <laughs> a burp yeah, we've gun. We got some <laughs> military folks carrying off vanilla cupcake. We got Cherry's Jubilee hanging out in the middle of the page. I don't know where Brad is. He's not there, man. Brad's not here, man. He's not here. Yeah, Brad's gone. Brad's <laughs> Brad. Brad's gone, man. Oh, there's all sorts of things. First off, we get some more notes. We get some more notes about this issue, which is always Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Uh, Jack 
here's something I love. So there's a six panel first page and Jack Kirby redrew the whole page. Because <laughs> he didn't like the angle of the third little okay. television thing. So this is one of those classic pages. Page one is one of those classic pages where you've got like the television screens. And we've got Vanilla Cupcake on tour and she's hanging out with the Reagans. Hey. I mean, how 80s can you get? How 80s could you get? And she sings a song and Ronnie says, why Vanilla Cupcake? That was a swell song. Golly wogs, Mr. President. Thank you so very much. I love you. Oh, God. I was expecting you to do some Reagan for us, but we'll pass on this. Well, I'm I'm not going to even try. People are from the bottoms of. That's 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 that wasn't it. You got you got a shot. That's it. I had a shot. I can't do it. I you know it's been a while. It's like when when people put me in the spot for presidents, I can't do them. When I'm just sitting around, all of a sudden they just like come out. It's like boom. I've got presidents. Well, gee, Nancy. uh, Gee, Nancy. Um, too much. uh, Got too much Southern in that because it's hard. You you slip into not gonna do it. See that one? Yeah. Uh, It's so easy to do. Yeah. Uh, Tanner was getting. He was like, "You used to do the best Bush impersonation," and I was like, "And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it." (laughs) Well, it's just another morning in America. Oh my gosh! No, not the phone. Oh, you almost had it. Oh my gosh, is what we were looking for. That was it. Oh my gosh! Well, anyway, now you now you southerned it up. Like, well, well, this this issue is called spineless wonders. <laughs> spineless wonders, completely oh, related to the presidency. It's it, uh, it's actually this spineless wonders. It's it's a description of American presidents since Jimmy Lincoln. Jimmy Are we? Is this a stare down? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I had this conversation. <laughs> I personally had this conversation with my grandmother the other day. So. Well, that's <laughs> I'm just well, Jimmy Carter and your Jimmy Carter's actually older than your grandmother. I know. Barely. I, yeah, barely. I, they're yeah, they're roughly yeah, close in age. He's like six years older, I think. Yeah, six years older. Well, uh, we find out that Mead Packer and his charming vulnerable licensing bonanza depart for the Dulles Airport, you know, do you know where Dulles Airport is? I do. I've flown in there a couple times in uh, Washington, D.C. Yep. And it's it's actually in, in Virginia. Well, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know they're finally completing a uh, a train line there? Really? Finally? Yep. They finally have completed a train line there, so you can actually <laughs> take the metro all the way out to Dulles now. Oh, wow. It's pretty cool. Instead they wish they'd had that then. Take cabs? <laughs> Cabs are really expensive to go to Dulles. Reagan National is much closer to everything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't called Reagan National, though, when this book came out. No, because... It's called National. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, Dulles is named after... No. John Foster Dulles. The guy who made the bananas dessert? Those are delicious. Okay, yep. And we're going to move on from that. So... <laughs> Everybody it's like loves when Ann, It's like when Ann asks me trivia questions, and I know that Edmund Muskie worked in the Carter administration, and Ann is like, what? <laughs> I, I don't understand. How do you know this? Ann is Greg's wife, by the way. 
she did a like when her store first opened she had like did it like a trivial pursuit discount like if you got the question and, and dan I got, like, got all these questions discounts yeah it's just like you're done you're done <laughs> you're working here you can't do this <laughs> Well, we've got we're back to our fight with all the Cogburns, and there are a so lot of many. everywhere. I, I I'm like looking at the page. Is this a okay? Just for the for the listeners, it's a, page. It's, it's a splash page. It's a very beautiful splash page. It is one, two, three, four, five, five, five and a half Cogburns. Yeah, <laughs> I think that okay. six. One, two, three. Uh, I know you're right. Four, five. And one, I, there's one down below. Oh, or is that Brad? I can't tell if it's Brad down under everything or if that's a Cogburn. Oh, that might no, be Brad. Brad. No, I see Brad. Brad's over there. So there's a Cogburn foot down at the bottom, too. Okay. Yeah, that's. But yeah. And <laughs> we got bullets going on everywhere. We got Duke firing away. We've got cherries throwing her cherry. No, she's using her big like, cherry ball. Yeah, yeah she's, she's smashing people. She's she's. It's uh, it's it's very much like very Kill Bill esque. It's a it's a ball and chain, uh, battle weapon. And her That's, outfit is creepy as hell. Yeah, oh, the doll face thing that she's got on. Oh, it's a, it's a nightmare fuel action going on. Yeah, and she's I, like, I, don't I, kill them, don't kill them, because you know, like, she knows something we don't know. Yes. Well, and she doesn't want to kill them. And Duke's like, if you say so, lady, but they're not exactly pleading for mercy. This is a minimal Duke issue, by the way. There's there's a lot of non Duke oh, yeah. action going on. Duke's here the whole time, but it's like Duke could not be in the story and it would still be happening. It's a cherry. It's a cherry issue. It's a very cherry issue. <laughs> well, she starts throwing some cherry bombs and eviscerating. We find out a lot about the Cogburns in the next few issues. So I I don't know if Steve Gerber was upset with the people that worked for Marvel Comics or anything. <laughs> why say why say well uh he made an entire character that was like a spineless company drone oh but first before we get there yes uh cherry brad and duke run out they get a taxi and they start heading to uh is it parong parong field or anyway they're they're going to the airport they're going to jfk parongas parongas it was parongas i forgot that they're going to the jfk airport where's that yeah now that is in new york city sir (laughs) get a rope oh wait that's uh that's that's, uh that's a weird commercial salsa commercial salsa that was a salsa commercial yeah yeah salsa commercial the uh well anyway new york city when they find out the salsa is made in New York City. It was not a great commercial, but it had a great catch line. Yeah. So I don't think that commercial would fly now, though. No, no, no. It would it would get a there'd be um, a boycott or something. <laughs> people would be going into stores. Wasn't and that knocking, case? Yeah, it was. And people would be going into stores and just knocking that stuff off the shelves just for the YouTube or the, for the, the TikTok videos. Yeah. Look what I did at Walmart. <laughs> One, it was Pace, and they were making fun of old El Paso, which yeah. was apparently not made in El, El Paso. Wasn't if you want into the salsa wars. Yeah. Oh, man, it was crazy back in the 80s. You would never believe salsa, salsa wars. wars. It, oh, it was nuts. Better than the ice cream price fixing. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Choco tacos. No, not Choco tacos. Oh, uh, are you talking about just like the regular ice cream? I'm at talking the store? about Ben and Jerry's versus Hagen Dazs. Look it up. Oh, it's fantastic. Anyway, I'm I, I cannot go down that rabbit hole today. Okay. So okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pause on that. It is fascinating. <laughs> though. I'll, I'll just say go to the store people. and see if you see Ben and Jerry's selling any standard flavors besides vanilla. They're not. And there's a reason for that. But Hagen Doss doesn't sell a bunch of specialty flavors for the most part. I want you to think about that next time you're looking at the ice creams. So uh, we get uh, we get uh, they head to the hangar and then we get the story of the God Corp Cogburns. And oh Cherry explains they they are God Corp company men born and bred in laboratories of medical concepts. L&D LTD. Sorry. LTD. With uh, the car. Yeah. When, <laughs> exactly. Uh, when Big the Ford LTD, the limited. <laughs> wow. You're bringing me back. Oh, we, my gosh. Remember, remember, we didn't have the LTD. We had the Mercury Marquee. Oh, my gosh. But not the Grand Marquee. The, the Marquee. Marquee. But the Grand Marquee and the LTD were the same car. But we yeah, just had yeah. the Marquee. Remember the tan car? Yeah, that yeah. Was the Marquee. Yeah. The cop car. But no, no, no. That's the that's the grand marquee. Okay, okay. The marquee was my small boxy looking car. Not small, but it yeah. K car. Yeah, effectually, yeah. Yeah. But it was a I, not a Chrysler. I I I like the style of those cars for some reason. They just they look neat to me. I did not think our car looked neat in any way. It was a car that hauled the family around. Uh, I like the style of the car. Oh. There you can I'm Built sure last. you can find one really cheap these days. I, I, if I had the space to put it in, I would have one of those, a pacer and a gremlin. Well, uh, <laughs> I've been totally distracted. They're yeah. Godcorp company men. Uh, when Godcorp acquired Spoot Pharmaceuticals, which I haven't figured out the connection here yet, but maybe Spoot. by next week. In 1980, they immediately went to work applying Spoot's advanced biotechnology the Cogburns are genetic replications of a God Corp employee who mysteriously resigned after years of loyal service and was oh. never seen again, except through a microscope as a specimen of DNA. So they oh. killed one of their employees who was loyal to them. And then they made <laughs> facsimiles of this employee. The best part of this is they are grown without spines and then a spine is grown and that's their prodigy. So that spine you saw going off in the previous issue was actually the prodigy of the current spineless employee. Oh, okay. So. And naturally, the Cogburns themselves remain ignorant of all of this so that they don't know what's going on. Interesting. And she says, Cherry so says, the machismo the posturing, the overblown ego, and the company man mentality are all artificially encoded in their <laughs> genes. They never question what the company tells them because to do so would threaten their self-image. Hmm. But not his intelligence. The copies were always stupider and capable of independent thought and mindlessly self-destructive. Scientists compensated for those deficiencies by redesigning the Cogburns in a quasi-human form they called a pregnant. And that was the that was the spine that regrows the shape. I see. 
And that's why we saw the Cogburn wearing the shirt that said, damn, I'm good. Yes. And honestly, I want a shirt that says that because it's it's freaking rad. <laughs> you know, maybe we should get some of these shirts to wear at work for like we we should get like a um, uh, funny book forensics on the sleeve and damn, I'm good. Shirts made. <laughs> that would be hilarious. We could sell those if you read this. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm actually if, noting this down right now. So if you're listening yeah. and you like this idea, tell us because I'm. We'll make that shirt. I, I'm. I would wear the shit. Out of it. Maybe I know what Greg's getting for Christmas now. <laughs> you already told me what I'm getting for Christmas. You didn't tell me, but you you said I'm getting something cool. Well, Greg is getting something for Christmas, and we will have an unveiling around Christmas time. So look uh, out for that. Ah. Uh, We'll have a special maybe video podcast. You know, we will have a special video podcast on the YouTube. The YouTube. The, the YouTube. YouTube. The YouTube. Like, and uh, we will unveil Greg's Christmas gift later this month. I don't have a date for you yet, but uh, it'll happen sometime at Christmassy time. Is it a Skibibi toilet? No. Oh. So, no more guesses. So, <laughs> okay. uh what we find out is that their genetic structure, uh, they can actually unbirth themselves <gasps> and take a, a few victims along with them, but they no. don't like doing that. They like to get more of themselves. Mm. Well, we're off to the airport and we're off to, they see a control tower and a plane and they're trying to go to Parangus Field. Parangus Parangus Field. Parangus Field. Brad is panicking in the car. Yeah, he's a, he's... He's a little bit of he's ball nerves. And now this this one I'm a little suspect of, but uh, all of a sudden, oh, I guess he's wearing it. He un, oh, he takes his hat off. So yes, their cabbie unveils himself to be Uranus P. Chicago. Do you remember this guy? Yes. Ah, Uranus so he P. Chicago. had been hit by the pheromones of the mommy lady. Yeah. Yeah. While he was in jail. Right. Mm-hmm. And loves her forever. And now he's back working for enforcement concepts. So Duke made a mistake by letting him live, apparently. I like that he calls him, hey, duckhead. Yeah. <laughs> duckhead. Start calling people that. What? That was a clothing line. Oh, duckhead. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was. Ducks on shirts. Yeah. yeah ducks on shirts. Oh, my gosh. I wonder gosh. if Disney sued them. They should have. Yeah, clearly. That was back in big dog days. Yeah, that was some duckhead. Duck, oh wow! They were ducking amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Enforcement concepts had me hang around the neighborhood in case the Cogburns failed to squish the cherry lady. So, uh, Uranus has them, and he has them barreling toward a seven forty-seven. So, can you tell us a little bit about this aircraft, sir? So, I can tell you, I can tell you a lot about it. Um, what do you want to know? Well. One, why don't you tell me about why it has an upstairs right above the. It has right an upstairs. Up. It has an upstairs above. So as a two level air, aircraft, it has an upstairs above. Uh, it has a lounge traditionally in most of them. Uh, so your first class has a first class lounge. It has a staircase. You can climb up and go and enjoy that lounge area. There's seating up there for people who purchase the ticket. Um, they no longer actually 
most continental flights don't have these in service because they sunset this model uh, several years ago. Oh. Internationally, though, it was a spiral uh, staircase, right? Spiral staircase, yes. Uh, they still do use this this basin format as the uh, presidential plane. So it is the the plane that is used for Air Force One and Air Force Two. Uh, it was designed interiorly by the creator of He Man. <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, he he was a designer for the Boeing company and did a lot of the interior design and cargo bays and other items and really neat and intricate aspects of how uh, the aircraft's interior looked and worked and made it so it had a very futuristic look at the time uh, unlike any other aircraft in the skies. Uh, currently right now uh, any operational 747 is turned into a freighter and you can see them if you see any flying or on the ground usually they are used by uh, anybody flying freight i.e ups so they kept the bar in them for the pilots to use (laughs) no they they've used the the upper lounge areas now uh for any any staff that might be flying uh it's been converted for for more seating and, and stuff like that if there's any any staff or other people that are, are sure it's not a bar up there for no it's not a bar up there anymore but the bars up, upstairs i remember as a kid because i the first time i ever flew on one i i walked up the stairs and i like freaked out because i was like this is amazing uh this is so it's such a neat it was such a neat aircraft to be on uh when they were operational because it i mean if if you've flown on any aircraft in the last like you know few years you're like oh wow these are so cool because the lights above and everything like that it's so neat so so technological but there's something about an aircraft with a staircase that you go up and you leave everything else behind and you are now transported into this whole other area and it doesn't seem like it it it, it just didn't feel like it was real right not a den of sadness not a den of sadness. Yeah, it's not. It's not a sky bus. Not like the last flight we flew on, where that lady wouldn't let us sit next to each other. Oh, that was terrible. But then we did get first class, so that was cool. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, because uh, you know, uh, well, I was going to ask you what would yeah. happen hypothetically, like in this issue, if a car ran into the front tires of a seven. Um. Well, uh, I would say. Uh, it would probably drop the front end of the plane, um, hypothetically, uh, from my knowledge of aircraft maintenance and uh, durability. Uh, if a motor vehicle of this type would hit the front end of it, it would probably damage the front end landing gear, bringing the plane down on its nose, uh, damaging it. I, I don't think what we see in the next couple of panels would happen to the extent depending on payload and other things like that, because where everything is kept and stored in the aircraft, it wouldn't give you this dramatic effect. But that's without saying, because we don't know, I mean, speed, velocity, and other things like that, both the the aircraft and the car are traveling at such a a high rate. Um, If it was parked, it definitely would just drop. But because we see both of them speeding towards each other, uh, my assumption is that the, the car would clip the wheel, the plane would drop to the ground, and the car would probably travel underneath it, uh, scraping the underbelly, and then 
probably at that point, it, by the time it hit the midsection, it probably would burst into a wall of flames. Well, in this case, uh, <laughs> it's not so good for the plane. I hope nobody's on it because the car uh, gets smashed. Uh, we when Uranus P Chicago is no more and everybody else dives out and we get a nice picture. But yeah, in this case, in these panels, the plane goes all lost on us. We've got, yeah. uh, and I mean, lost the television show because we got engines everywhere. And oh, yeah, it's not it's not good time for the plane. Uh, and then we get to some inked pages. Yeah. You must not have had the pencils for a Super couple. Tight. Yeah. Inking? I, You know, they complained about the inking, but I like the inking here. It, it's really tight. The uh, We meet uh, Mr. Pablo. <laughs> Angus. Smoosh. <laughs> He's really drunk. He's very drunk. They are seriously at this point doubting Cherry... Uh, Cherry's Jubilee's plans. Uh, to not, get him. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem well. I mean, he's he's really drunk. And well, we get a flip page. And <laughs> I, I have to I have to stop you before we flip, because she's like, uh, this is looking very grim. This is looking very grim. Why couldn't she have used her pheromones in the president of TWA? That's yeah. funny because. TWA doesn't exist. One, they don't exist anymore. But two, they did fly a lot of 747s. Man. <laughs> Which is why they don't exist anymore. Hey. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Not this. Is, uh, for once, I was actually not insulting Boeing. Uh, <laughs> in this case, the 747, they had a whole fleet of 747s stationed out of St. Louis as their hub. And the 747 mm-hmm. was too expensive to operate when... It's actually Reagan's fault because when Reagan deregulated the airlines, yeah, uh, the 747 now became too expensive to operate because of the price wars that were started by Southwest, among other regional carriers. Uh, and it just TWA's business model was old and dead. And so TWA went out of business in the 90s, left a whole giant airport at St. Louis just being basically unused. And St. Louis, the city has never recovered since TWA actually went down. So it's actually kind of a sad story, but uh, also a good point. It's an interesting historical point that this I, I love when the, you're I'm glad you pointed out because this is a fun one because he references TWA. But mm-hmm. uh yeah, TWA's business of flying those big 747s around the U.S., not such a good idea because it's more of an international plane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, it's a long-haul the, jet, and they were using them for luxury, basically. Right. You. Um, I was going to say two other things. 747, if those want to see something super cool, watch a Snoop Dogg movie where uh, he has a 747 as the air airplane for his airline i can't remember the name of the movie now but uh it is just look up Snoop dog on imdb and uh it's really cool they have a totally pimped out 747 super awesome and then secondly uh on your your point about uh reagan deregulating the airlines at the same time he also did the thing with the uh uh, traffic con- tra- air traffic controllers. Yes, he did. And and they all walked off. Imagine a world where all the air traffic controllers just walked off. They did well, that for like a air week. Air traffic controllers went on strike, <laughs> and then yeah. Ronald Reagan told them that it was illegal for them to go on strike. Mm-hmm. Which also busted unions. Reagan did some you know, really popular things. You know, it's it's uh, obviously cool. made society better. We're all paid so much better now, and 
Uh, we don't have TWA anymore. Uh, deregulating the airlines, though, that's one that probably was fair. Um, but the the strike, I don't know. I'm getting into politics now, which I should never do on this yeah, poli- yeah. No, no. podcast. So I right. shouldn't say it was probably fair. Uh, but deregulate. I'm going to say this: deregulating the airlines allowed access to air travel that for people that never would have had access to it now. Like if the airlines That's were true. still regulated, I probably couldn't. Have, Greg could afford to fly on planes, and I couldn't. But we, uh, I would say, the interesting thing about that though is that we would have, um, uh, we wouldn't. I think maybe possibly. We might not have some of the wildness <laughs> that is on airplanes right now. Yeah, that's also fair. Because when you, yeah, but, <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> we we could go down this rabbit hole, but I'll just say, yeah, there was a, a few interesting decisions made there that this book ends up inadvertently referencing. Yeah. So, meanwhile... At an Alpine chalet. Can I just interrupt the podcast momentarily? Yeah. I just got a message from Nolan. Uh-huh. And what did this Nolan say? In the podcast. Saying <laughs> okay. that him and the boys just did a cold plunge. Oh, gosh. 29 degree weather. What? Why? Well, that's. That's wild. Okay. And now we'll bring you back to this regular <laughs> scheduled podcast. So, uh, <laughs> because meanwhile, in an Alpine chalet, see, it actually it, it fits. Fit. It, yeah. yeah. Alpine chalet. Owned by the world's largest corporation. What we, we hoped that all of the people here would have gone for a cold plunge and not come back. But unfortunately, we get Thank Mr. You. Upwind, the new CEO of, of God Corp. And. God Corp. We find the contract. This is so creepy. Uh, so the. Uh, all right. So the Hokum Liberation Front, which I'm not supposed to say because of what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, is giving it wants to be sure that they're getting fissionable materials. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll just say if you're uncomfortable with that, about current events, we are, too. I'm just yeah. going to say that. I think everybody's uncomfortable. Uh, but the book is addressing some of these things, so we will cover it. But we're not going to get into the politics of it. I, I won't even close to where we were with the air traffic right, controllers yeah. and things like that. I'll just say that um, basically the 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 group is trying to get fissionable materials uh, for their nice. war with the other folks. And remember, the dude flew away last time, the general. So now he's here with God Corp. Mm-hmm. And Wobblina's in there, and she's like device. And this is the f- first time uh, she's found out that they're m- going to make them a nuclear bomb. Uh, oh so yay! And they get their contract for this—a 99-year lease on the petroleum rights of Hokum—signed uh, on a woman that's being trafficked. Huh. This is some dark shit. Yeah. It's pretty messed up. <laughs> like, wh- uh, and, and uh, you know, one thing I will say about the dark shit in these books, though, that Gerber does, you get it for a page. He doesn't pound it into your brain. Yeah, it's not it's it's not like, a. well, you get it for like 
maybe yeah it, it is it is one page of and, and maybe two panels of like the realization of uh, and then it's not like a whole book of it which ugh. and he really hates corporations yeah well we're back on air parangus air parangus uh, which is a not a seven plane. yeah yeah it looks like something that was uh delivering mail um <laughs> <laughs> and they're flying it, it across the Atlantic Ocean in a storm. Mm-hmm. Duke looks terrified. That's the first time we've seen Duke actually look terrified. Yeah. Usually he's cool, calm, and collected. They have to wake up the pilot, Pablo, um, in the middle, and Brad is not happy. As usual. He is a bigger ball of nerves. Like, if Duke's not happy, Brad is like. He is a human diaper. We also <laughs> find out that uh, they're going to arrive 13 hours after everybody else does because they have to stop three times for fuel. Well, that's legitimate because <laughs> it's a small plane. So they're going to get there in 37 hours. So she place, should have convinced EWA to do it. Yeah. Well, we get back to lower Manhattan and we find our friend, the lawyer. And the Lawmobile. The Lawmobile. It's it's a big car. I like it. And do all boys uh, have big cars? I don't know, but Cogburn <laughs> murders him. So, oh gosh, our friend the lawyer is no more. We're this seems like a, a bad way to go for him. Like it. Well, I guess we don't know that he's dead for sure. Yeah, we don't know that he's dead for sure. Maybe alive. Cogburn just sabotage the vehicle yeah gerber seems to do things very deliberately in these books so i'm gonna guess he'll show up again but who knows we don't know we know it'll be a plot point somewhere so maybe waiting well as the exploding lawmobile illuminates the bowery uh midnight dawn breaks over hokum and the general is back and they're like a splendor of greetings general all goes according to plan vanilla cupcake has departed the u.s <laughs> and they should all have those spinny twirly mustaches because that's where we're at yeah and then uh and they're talking about the enemy so let's see do they name the enemy oh yeah, it's pac money pac money yeah, like they think he's going to be upset and that he might try to kill Vanilla Cupcake and that'll be oh. great because then everybody will hate them. Oh, OK, so they're trying to sway world opinion. And then we get the God God Corp logo, grab it all, own it all, drain it all uh, yes. etched into the country. So they own and they're going to drain all the oil, right? Like, that was yeah, the yeah. that's time. the goal. Yeah. And then we see a Cogburn. Oh, and they're gosh. Like, oh, no. And he's like, no, no, I'm on your side. I'm a company man. <laughs> I'm here to help. Yeah. And they're like, oh, OK. And they're like, oh, we do need his employer. So we're all friends again. But Cogburn's like, ah, before your photo op, General, you better shave. <laughs> so the general goes and shaves. They bring uh, some orphaned girls to meet Vanilla Cupcake. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we get started. Uh, he goes. She goes up to give the general a big kiss, and bam, bam! Uh, they're getting shot again by the ghost brigades. So yeah. 
I, I'm not sure why they thought this was a good idea. Like he fled the country before and right. they were shooting him. And now, or well, anyway, basically everyone dies except vanilla cupcake who was picked up by the ghost brigades. Ah. And yeah. Uh, Ned Packer looks on and uh, Jewel, the mom looks on. They don't do anything. They just She's let like, them oh, capture Vanilla Cupcake, and Vanilla Cupcake is swooped up by the enemy, and we have no more leader of the government there, and uh, Duke and Cherry's Jubilee uh, uh, arrive. Hey, everybody, we're here. <laughs> but something important happens at the end of this book. What's that? Well, Duke says, yeah, something crazy about Cogburns and genetic science and how you said they could screw around with the facsimile's memory. She's like, I don't follow you. That'd be Cherry. Uh-huh. And Duke says, look, if they can duplicate pink primates, how much more difficult could it be to duplicate a duck, especially a little duck? And if the duplicate didn't know it was a duplicate, what are you getting at? Something that God Corp cut open, bled to death mm. on my carpet a while back. I thought that something was the little guy. Now, though, all my deductive instincts are starting to get this funny itch. But the little guy is alive. <gasps> Next issue, the astonishing conclusion, Destroyer of Worlds. And then we get a letter from Stephen R. Gerber. To Dean Mullaney. We're going to save part of this letter for next issue. Okay. But there is something in this letter I'm going to share. All right. And I'll read you this line. I've tried to communicate this to you before, and you've always attributed my doubts to the lawsuits having been settled. Or the possibility that I might be doing Howard again. So. At this point, the law, this book's, this book was, the issue five was being written, or they have settled the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And so Gerber may, he won something. Uh-huh. Maybe. Or at least the lawsuit was settled. Yeah, because it's 1983 now. Yeah. And yeah. So mm. maybe this has changed Gerber's outlook on doing this book. Ah. Uh. We shall see. No, we shall see. It's a it's a cliffhanger on both ends. Bum, Will bum, they get bum. Vanilla cupcake back. Will they? I don't know. Will they get? Will we get more issues of Destroyer Duck? Will Gerber do Howard? We know if that happens. Oh, dun dun dun. No no no. Yeah. So it it can happen. Now, Anything. there is something important to What's share that? with you. What? what, what? Well, uh, if we go. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Tell me. I thought yeah. we should learn about the settlement of this lawsuit by the most credible source ever. Huh? One Jim Shooter. Oh, yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, after all, he was the editor in chief and president of Marvel Comics, right? Of course, of course. And he says in early 1981, Steve Gerber sued Marvel Comics over ownership of Howard the Duck. I wasn't at Marvel when the Duck first came to be. Almost all 
of what was at issue happened before my time or during the time I was associate editor and not involved in a management capacity. Therefore, I wasn't much involved in the litigation. Mm. He seems defensive. The litigation yeah. took place while I was editor in chief, however, so I was copied on many documents and otherwise made aware of the progress of the thing. I have copies of a number of letters, memos, and documents relating to the case. No, I'm not going to post them here, except for two letters below. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> as I understand it, what happens is as follows. A mountain of motions and responses were made by both sides. Gerber's side lost the war of motions. Gerber's side li side's likelihood of prevailing on anything of substance was virtually nil. In order to avoid wasting more money on legal expenses, Marvel made a de minimis settlement offer. Being in a hopeless position, Gerber's side accepted it. It was that uh, that or scorched earth. So there you go. In typical shooter fashion. And my response. Shooter. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. And, and my, by the way, he, he said a couple, but he posted three. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. But it is a piece of history, so. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I like that you brought this evidence to our podcast today, Dan. Uh, for us yeah. to review. Don't you? That, I, you know, it's always good. Now, Mr. Shooter, <laughs> you may have been a complete asshole, but eventually <laughs> I'm going to want to interview you and we're going to want to talk about your childhood exploits into writing with Mort Weisinger and what you did on Legion of Superheroes. And I'm actually really curious about the backup stories you did for action comics as a tradition, you know, transition out of the adventure comics and yes. how you brought more adult themes. How did those themes link up to your childhood? And as you grew up, I'm really interested, you know, you did bring some cool things, you know, you transitioned the Legion of Superheroes from yeah. the silver age, to the bronze age and bronze age. And I'll always be thankful for that. Right. Uh, but you're kind of an asshole. You kind of drop the ball with with the, all this stuff over here. Yeah. Yeah. What's the deal, man? What's the and deal? And he says, from the point of view of Marvel's top brass, they had made the suit and legal expense go away for nothing. They were very pleased and unconcerned about whatever grief doing so might engender me. Hmm. But he was part of the top brass at that point. Yeah. How so could you do Gerber like this? He was the one that did that. Yeah, you did Gerber like this, Mr. Shooter. You could have stood up. Like, he's like, ah, it happened before me, so I wasn't involved. I was just on the... Ugh. Nah. Oh, man. And so he's like, oh, they made this decision, and then it made me look bad. Mm-hmm. So easy to say that from your ivory tower. Yes. There are some fun responses to this. Oh, I bet. That are <laughs> Read one. Is there is there a good little little quip? Uh, my favorite one is one we've already pointed out. Ironic now seeing how Disney owns Marvel completely. Uh -huh. OK, um, yes, yes. He does get into he says, and by the way, Disney's legal threats and demand for the duck to be redesigned happened while I was associate editor. I wasn't involved. Mm. The redesign was handled on Marvel's end by John Romita. Disney artists ultimately provided Marvel with a design Disney deemed acceptable. John actually seemed pleased to have gotten Disney to work with us. Mm -hmm. And he has 
some of the same draw uh, drawings that are in the the book by tomorrow's. I so I, I this is probably a blog post that's worth looking at. Yeah. Uh, if you were a Howard the Duck fan. But yeah. So and this is Gerber and the Do- Duck Part Three. It's it's just so there are more of these. More. I dig into them. I might get me my shovel. <laughs> and, and hit Jim Shooter? Like what? <laughs> no, to dig in, to dig in, not to hit Jim Shooter. Man. Wow. I shouldn't like pick on Mr. Abuse. Shooter in this case. After all, he's completely innocent at all of this. Yeah, he, he said so. He said so he in his blog so. post. Nothing happened. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> all John even... Ra- it's it's John Ramita's fault. Yeah, John Ramita's. It wasn't he wasn't even there, Dan. It was yeah, the top well, brass at the time. I do appreciate Jim Shooter for the cover of the Omega Point, a science fiction screenplay by Jim Shooter that's on his blog. Because let me tell you, this is a cover that I will want to see forever. Snap it and send it to me. Okay, I'll I'll do that. Oh my gosh. So... It, I'll, I'll like, go to the blog and, and read the whole thing. And I'm pretty it. sure Jim Shooter did not create a Grimbor. A Grimbor. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe based on that cover, he did. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway. He's going to say uh, he did. You know, when I was 14 probably, years old. I, maybe he did I just, create Grimbor. I'd have, to, I'd have to actually go look. I am not sure. I assume it's Carrie Bates, but... Or maybe it's Paul Levitz. I, I don't know. We'd, we'd, we'd have to go find out. You know if what? You I'm not going to speculate on Grimbor anymore today. <laughs> if you had a chance to interview him, he'd say, well, actually, Dan, uh, when I was 14 years old in my parents' basement, I um, I was thinking I to myself, the idea of what, Grimbor. what's the scariest thing I could imagine in my childlike mind? Yeah. And yeah, man. Leather jeans. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, well, based on the cover of this book, like I said, he may well have created Grimbor. I I don't know. So, well, anyway, enough <laughs> Grimbor talk for this episode. Uh, we're, we're not on to Grimbor the Chainsman right now, though. It'd be amazing if he showed up in Destroyer Duck. But where we are at is at the end of a fine episode of this podcast where yes. we covered important things like ducks Ducks. Cherry's Jubilee. Yes. Uh, Brad. Murderer in the Middle oh. East. Yes. Oh, wait, not great. No, not great. Yeah. Not great. And yeah, so uh, again, again, Multiple and I bring it up because if you do go back and read this issue, uh, I'm just going to warn you, it's timely to the time. But yeah. right now, if you're reading it, I can see where it would, you know, it's not be a great read for some folks at this time. It definitely will hit you with the. Oh, Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it hit me with this, the, oh, this fucking sucks, and it's been yeah. going on yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah, and yeah. That's, so that that's what it hit me with. But anyway, we still do recommend, however, getting the Tomorrow's Publishing uh, Graphite Edition of yeah. Destroyer Duck. It's fantastic. It's so good. Again, John Morrow, thank you for putting this together. Yes. Obviously, I know John Morrow is a huge fan of Kirby. So I'm guessing that's part of why this came together. But this is right. amazing. So go out and get it. It's linked in the podcast notes. Uh, also linked in the podcast notes is Absolute Zeros. 
Oh, yeah. A book a little, by yeah. Greg Smith. Mike Tanner. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and Gabrielle Gomez. I'll learn it before. Yeah. I'll get it right someday. Yeah. No, uh, I will say fantastic team to work with. I mean, obviously, I've been working with Mike since, uh, since, geez, when we were in college. And Gabrielle is like just a delight to be able to work with. Her art is fantastic. And if you. Like that kind of uh, as as people who have seen the art are like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting some really good like um, uh, like this kind of. Why can't I think of the name of the show right now? Oh, my gosh. The tipper and his sister in the woods with the uncle and the book. Come on now, Dan, you don't know. The, no, I have no uh, idea what you're talking about. I, I got the characters. I got the character. Um uh. Um, man, boy, oh boy! You like the Samson the dog and no, it's not that. Yeah. It's oh. not that. Not Bible tales. No, it's not that. Oh <laughs> no, no, it's a. Uh, well, I. You know what? While you think about this, we can bring this up on the next podcast. But yeah, I can. would just like to share once again: if you buy the hardcover edition of Absolute Zeros, you will indeed get a wonderful smelling book that smells like cherries, strawberries, and vanilla, and you also get an MXPX CD. <laughs> oh, people are going to start expecting this if they go and buy the book. You do not get that. You do not get that. <laughs> I'll tell. I'll tell you what. Um, the next time Greg and I are at a show, and I don't know when that's going to be, the first five people that buy the hardcover edition of this book will indeed get an MXPX CD. <laughs> We're gonna go find MXPX by CDs. me and Greg. Jeez. Oh, Oh my gosh! Okay, uh, yeah, I guess we can go we can go find some MXPX. Yeah, so uh, find them. We already uh, have them. I, They're I ready know. to go. Find I mean, them. I, I have two right here. Yeah, see, one still in its plastic. <laughs> it even open. <laughs> How could you insult the find band, finest band in Bremerton? I'm not insulting them. I don't want to open it for prosperity. Oh, you're. Oh, we're keeping it safe. You're gonna. Oh, yeah. we're gonna go get it graded and. Yeah. Okay. It's it's well, a, it's a, it's it's easily a nine nine, Dan. I'll tell you what. So if you come, uh, if you are either buying the book from Greg or you come to us at the table, the first five people that show up <laughs> at the table, either with a book for Greg to sign or buy a book from Greg, right? We when the book comes out in March, give you an MXPX CD that you will treasure forever. <laughs> you will treasure for this is like the time the kid came to the book signing and he was like um i don't i i i uh i, I j- could you sign my um uh uh my and then he like he pulls out this cd and i was like what are you pulling out i, didn't, I never i i don't have any I, I didn't make any music that would be on the cd and and he hands me a creed cd <laughs> it's like, will you sign this for me? And I was like, um, what? Uh, sure. And he's like, I love your work and I love this CD and I'm never going to get rid of either. Oh my God. And I was like, him, I, he would take I, him higher. I did. I guess I did. Wow. Um, I, I, I honestly, had some of the mushrooms that are growing out of my flower bed out. Front. I don't know. I don't know. But honestly, I mean, like I, that was it was it was it was kind of it was it was it was a very interesting. 
um, moment. Well, (laughs) well, on that note, order Greg's book, get an MXPX CD. I mean, what else could be better? Heck, if you bring one to me, I'll sign it. (laughs) That's going to be a thing. Bring Greg an MXPX CD. He will sign it. I'll I was hoping they'd want the book signed, but I'll, I'll sign. I'll sign your books too, of course. But I mean, that'd just be funny as hell to have people come to, to bring you MXPX. I, I love yeah, it. Well, that... <laughs> well, you know, move to Bremerton and a famous MXPX song. If people I mean, don't know, my 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 college roommate went to high school with them. So <laughs> see. So, uh, important things. Yeah. Anyway, buy the book. Uh, the link is if you pre-order that supports Greg and Mike. So we appreciate that. Uh, the pre-order link is also in the podcast notes. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's it for this, uh, episode. Um, just to give you a little bit of preview, what's going coming up. We're going to finish out the destroyer duck series. I think five, six, five and six, maybe seven, uh, but five and six for sure. I don't know if there is seven. I think there's just there's some back matter. We'll probably cover the back matter when we cover six. And then we are going to review because we read issue one through three of Alpha Dogs by John Dexter. But we have the conclusion now and we want to read issue four because we want to know what happened. So, yes, we're going from ducks to dogs, ducks to dogs. And that's just like that's like the Northwest. Pretty much just finish out the end of the year. Yeah, that's like typical Northwest. You go ducks to dogs. You either. Oregon Ducks or Washington Dogs? You dub. Well, I'm. Oh. Uh, no? I don't. I don't want to talk about it and jinx it because this podcast will come out after that game. So, <laughs> just a lot of people think Ducks are going to win, and I know uh, they are. I'm hoping Dogs will win. So. I know the Ducks are going to win. Well, I'm hoping Dogs will win. I'm hoping the Ducks will win. It's all about Dogs versus Ducks. It's all about the Dogs versus the Ducks, and we know who's going to win: the Ducks. So much hate right now. So <laughs> anyway, I don't even care about football that much. But we it's, are. It's, it's just how it is. <laughs> we, we we want the superiority of our athletes that we recruit from all over the nation and world to beat the athletes that Oregon recruits from all over the nation and the world. It gets me brownie points with my family in Oregon. So. Oh, I see. Well, they got their quarterback from Auburn and we got our quarterback from somewhere else, too. So I don't know. Auburn, Alabama. I was like, Auburn, Washington. No, no, you know, again, and you know what? We got to wrap this up. But I was just (laughs) like, the reason I don't get as excited about college sports anymore is because you used to like actually recruit from around the area that the college was in. And then if the college had a great team, right, like it was really cool because it was like the people in your state were like all good and stuff. And yeah. now you just go get I mean, it's like it's minor leagues, right? You like you just go get whatever you want. Places. They can go to the college and it's it's fine. So, however, however, said anything bad about I'm glad the athletes are not treated like slaves anymore, too, and can actually have jobs, make money, et cetera. So yeah. get the money that change. That change has been fantastic. Uh, I still think they probably could have done that without corporatizing the college sports. But, you know, hey, uh, next year, Washington's going to be playing Rutgers in the regular season in New Jersey. So it totally makes sense for the University of Washington to play Rutgers. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) It it makes sense that that's not going to be expensive at all. So they're going to actually just 
delete the debate team now and just give that straight to the plane flights for Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's all good. Well, I don't want to relive my yeah. days of arguing for budgets at colleges for debate teams. So I think it's time for us to log out of here. All right. I hope you had a fun journey with us on this one. I know, I know you I deducted. Did. And, oh, uh, I, I we did. Duck did too. <laughs> we he will. Was like, just along for the ride. <laughs> he just along for the. He really was in this book. Just along for the ride, and we will awesome. see you later. Yeah. Bye.